want to begin today by welcoming some of our guests here, family, friends, in a particular way, Father Davis from the Diocese of Raleigh in North Carolina for celebrating with us today. It's so good to have all of you here. What I want to do is focus today on one or maybe two lines from the gospel that sort of jumped out at me this week as I was contemplating and preparing for this homily. And actually comes towards the beginning. It's something that maybe I never really noticed before. So the fact that these lepers, who were, at least some of them, Sumerian, but as lepers were considered unclean. They couldn't go around normal people, so they had to always stay together or stay at a distance, or else they would have been rendered other individuals ritually impure. So a very isolating uh, and alienating existence. But obviously they've heard about Jesus and his power, and so what the scripture says, what Luke says, they stood at a distance from him and raised their voices calling out to have pity on them. It's this phrase, they stood at a distance because of their insecurity, because of their shame, because of the state they had where they were cut off from other people. Normally, of course, here in the seminary, speaking now to our guests, we normally try to talk to the men and give them some ideas for their formation. And as I was reflecting this, realized how much as priests we encounter that. Or you as potential future priests will encounter it, and I guess in a certain sense, lay people do also. People who because of their own issues, their own sin, their own shame, their own impurity, their own whatever you want to call it, are timid to approach us in the same way they are hesitant to approach Jesus, to get close to him. And it's something that, of course, I've seen as a priest, and possibly it's because I don't have resting nice face. Maybe people are intimidated by me. I don't know. I remember one story when I was at the National Gallery in D.C. I was there for a young woman who had taken her first vows of the religious order, and I was with her and her family. Brand new, had her habit, walking to the gallery, and this man came up to her and said, Sister, I have some theological questions I'd like to ask you. And Sister said, I'm 19 years old. I just got this veil yesterday. I don't know anything. But here's a priest right here. You could talk to him. Oh, no, I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk to you. Well, it's like asking a you know, freshman in high school to talk about trigonometry. Talk to him. Oh, no, no I don't feel comfortable talking to him. And so I said, I'm out of here. I'm going to go look at some other paintings. The point is, is he was intimidated for whatever reason. It could have been the collar. It could have been a bad experience he had or his own shame from sin. Something that I see a lot, and you'll see a lot as a priest, people who have been away from confession for years. Why? Because they're afraid the priest is going to judge them. Afraid the priest is going to look down at them. In reality, we've heard everything. We're the least judgmental people that I know. I could probably tell most people who haven't been to confession in 30 years what sins they've committed already. And I'm not Padre Pio. I can't read their souls. There's just so many sins that we can commit. And there's no reason for shame. Come and bring this to the Lord. But yet, like these lepers, people experience the shame. But it's the next line that really struck me, where it says that Jesus saw them and told them to go see the priests. 
to go show themselves to the priest. Even though they were far off, Jesus was able to see them at a distance. What really struck me is this is Luke chapter 17. Doesn't it sound like we heard two chapters ago in Luke 15 in the parable of the prodigal son? The father from a distance sees the young son coming back. And so it seems that Luke here, just within two chapters, is trying to make a connection. That Christ is like the Father who in his mercy is always on the lookout for the one who wants to return. Always on the lookout for the one on the peripheries who is mired in their own sin and shame. And so he looks at them and that gaze of mercy compels them to go on their way to see the priests. And so what it means for us, I think, as individuals, but particularly as priests and future priests, is that we have got to have our eyes open to be on the lookout for those people around us who are mired in sin, who are on the peripheries, who are poor, who feel with shame, who are filled with insecurity, to be able to notice them and to be able to at times speak up and call out to them that it's safe to approach that the Lord does want to bring healing, the Lord does want to bring mercy. But we're not like Jesus. And so often we fall into, myself included, not noticing the person in need right in front of us. The person who's filled with that shame, the person who's filled with the sin, or even the poor person. Let's also look at this gospel and go back just, what is it, one other chapter. The rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was there on the doorstep of his house for years, and the rich man never noticed him, never saw him. His eyes were always somewhere else. Unlike Christ, who is like the merciful Father, who is always looking to notice the person in need right in front of them. I, one of the experiences that I talk about when I was in Rome, if you've ever been to the city of Rome, and it's very similar to New Orleans, Rome, there are a lot of, not necessarily homeless people, but gypsies who are there begging on the street. And it's so easy as you're walking to class to sort of shoo them off or not pay attention to them or not even recognize them. And I remember I sort of felt conflicted because they would always ask for money. And I, of course, seminarian, didn't have money for them. I had money for cappuccinos, but not necessarily money to give to the gypsies, which maybe I should have gone to confession for that. But regardless... I went to my spiritual director and he says, you don't have to give them any money, but you do have to give them respect. Respect, to respectare, to see again. You've got to look at them. You've got to notice them. Make the eye contact. Ask their name. See them as persons. That's giving them something very valuable. And it's something that I try to do in the city. I don't go to the quarter very often, thankfully. But when I do, and you see people there, to be able to do your best to notice, to recognize, to ask their name, you don't necessarily need to give them any money, but give them that respect to be able to have those eyes of Christ. Why is this important? Why is it important for us to have our eyes opening, open to recognize and see and give that respect, that sight to other people? And it's something that I've been reflecting on lately because of a little spiritual book that I just read by Julian Caron, who is the president uh, or the leader now of the Fraternity of Communion and Liberation, CL. And he writes in very CL-ish language, 
But his argument here, particularly in the center of the book, and the book is called The Radiance of Your Eyes, is that we need to pay attention to see people because it is through our own eyes that Jesus makes his merciful and tender and loving gaze present in the world. People are going to encounter Jesus through us, through our eyes, and particularly through the eyes of the priest. And so Karan mentions a letter that he got from this young woman. She was in college and struggling with all kinds of despair and whatnot, but she ended up meeting some people from CL, from Community Liberation, and began to walk with them. They took her in as a friend. And this is what she says in the letter that she wrote to Father Caron. Through the companionship of some friends who never left me alone, who took care of me and my heart, I tried to start again, to start a new life. I began again because those faces looked at me with a love and a tenderness that I could not feel for myself. He says how well our detector, an interior sense we have, works when a person is looked upon with such tenderness and that embraces the whole eye, she realizes it immediately. She was able to see herself as the other saw her, and not according to the lies and the skewed vision that she used to see her own self. And it was these precise faces that communicated the gaze of Jesus, where she says in continuing the letter, where I find this gaze of love and tenderness that direct me to another, a living you, present here and now, faces that have brought me back to life. And so this is what he calls the incarnate gaze. When we look on others with love, particularly as priests, we recognize them, we notice them, we give them that respect, it is Christ using us in that present encounter to change someone's life take away the abstraction. Oh, Jesus is looking at me. The Father's gazing on me. That's all important. But he's going to do it through us, through our own eyes. But the last thing that he mentions that I think is so crucial here is how important this look is, but not in the past. He says that when we are looked upon with the eyes of Christ, when we're looked upon with love, we are generated in our own sonship, and our own identity. But the risk is to think that I am a son or a daughter because I've been looked on with love by the Father in the past. But he says, no, it has to be in the present. It has to be in the present. So quoting Father Luigi Giussani, who's the founder of CL, he says, you can't be a father, a generator, if you have no one as your father. Not if you didn't have, but if you don't have in the present, someone as your father. In the present, there needs to be someone who looks at us with love, who generates us. And that's going to be our community, our family members, our friends, where we are seen and known, where we are respected. This is where our own identity is generated, from those who give to us what we are called to give to others. It's done in the community, it's done in relationship, when the gaze of Christ, who is the gaze of the Father on the earth, 
is made manifest. And so, of course, these are sort of very deep and very CL-ish type reflections, if you know anything about communion liberation, but it's something that is very practical for us today, particularly for the men here preparing for the priesthood. Where do we get the practice to have that gaze? We get it here in community. And to make it a resolution, maybe give it a shot for this week, to really try to see others with the eyes of Christ, but to be vigilant, to pay attention, to try to notice the brothers in need, to ask them how they're doing, to recognize them, to give them that gaze that, for them, generates their own identity and helps us too, when we receive that in a loving community and one that cares about brothers, those who live amongst us, to be able to come to be more rooted in our identities, sons, so that we can grow to be fathers and images of Christ to others. Amen.